we're going to jump into our, our, new, our series. We started a new series last week. The title of our series is called Little Acts, and uh, we're in week two of Little Acts. We're going to finish up this series next week, and then obviously next week we're going to have a, our combined service, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. But we're in week two of, of Little Acts. We're going to be in Exodus 2 this morning. Uh, and, but before we uh, get into our text, I want to read you something. I found this. Uh, actually, just yesterday, I was doing something and I found this. I wanted to read this to you. If you don't know, our series is really about little things that we can do that God can then take and do amazing things with. We're looking at people in the scriptures that, that did some of those things. And some of the people that we're going to be talking about, especially today and even next week, are, are somewhat these people that you kind of go... I, I wouldn't have picked them. I wouldn't have used them. But even so, God used them to do amazing things for him that it, that it literally changed the world and is still affecting us today. But I found this little story and I want to read it to you. It says this, sometimes you just have to be the change you wish to see in a Waffle House. Last Saturday night, thanks to a scheduling error, a gentleman named Ben was the only employee who showed up to work the late night shift at the Waffle House in Birmingham, Alabama. According to a witness told AL.com, around midnight, a mysterious man in a blue shirt stood up from the counter, asked Ben for an apron, and went to, went to work bussing tables and washing dishes. A representative from Waffle House said that the security footage from that night confirms the existence of the mysterious blue man, or the man in blue, and also shows two other customers who, instead of jumping on um, their phones to complain about Ben's lousy service on Yelp, jumped in to run food and stack plates while Ben took orders and ran the grill. We may never know who you are, blue man and friends, but know that we as people salute you. Every person who's ever worked in the service industry has a story uh, like this uh, from a shift such as Ben's. The kind that sticks into your brain until the day you die. And for a customer not only to understand the situation but actually help. That is the kind of bravery I needed to read about today. Anyone who stands up to save a Waffle House deserves our applause. You know... There's so many times in our world today where, you know, we, we, we're so quick to, to jump on things and look at things. And, and, and we're, we're really good as human beings, unfortunately, of finding the problem. But we're not always so good at finding the solution. And I love here that we see this story of a man. And listen, I guarantee you, whoever this guy in blue was, he wasn't thinking that, hey, you know, I ought to do this because it's going to be a really nice opening to a message in Broomfield, Colorado. But yet sometimes that's what God does. And I guarantee you, with the power of the internet and the power of God, thousands of people have read this story and thousands of people hopefully are challenged to do some of these little acts that can have some big impact. But we're going to jump in Exodus 2 and this is what it says in Exodus 2 starting with verse number 1. Is it up there on the screen? Don't have that one? It's fine. You have it? Oh, there it is. Thank you, Monica. It says, this is this. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, or took as his wife a Levite woman. 
The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that it was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Let's stop there and let's kind of talk about what's going on. At this point in Scripture, uh, the children of Israel have been in Egypt. They've been there about 200 years or so. They were brought there during a famine because Joseph uh, was able to to do some amazing things because God used him. And basically now they're here. But because of God blessing them, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, the Pharaoh and the people of Egypt are afraid and scared. And so they've enslaved the individuals. They've enslaved the children of Israel. But here's the situation. They just continue to be blessed. They just continue, God continue to bless them. And so basically at this point, Pharaoh has issued a decree that all the male boys should be killed. The the ladies can live, but the boys have to die. Okay, and so that's where we're at. And so because of that, this woman and this man, they they have a child and a young boy, and they hide him for three months. Now let's continue in verse 3. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the child went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses. Because she said, I drew him out of the water. Father, I need you right now. Father, I need you all the time. But right now, God, I need my words to cease and let your words need to start. Father, I I really feel like this is an important message for us today. As we're entering into this season and this time to understand that sometimes we need to be about our Father's business. Even though we don't even know sometimes that we are. And so, Father, I pray that you would use this, help us to understand and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, obviously, this is the story where Moses is saved and so on and so forth. But really, this morning, what we're going to focus in on is a character that that most of the time we don't focus in on. We talk about usually the mother of Moses, or we'll talk about the sister of Moses. But today, we're going to talk about the adopted mother of Moses. We're going to talk about Pharaoh's daughter. We don't know who she is. We don't get a name for her. All we know is Pharaoh's daughter. And so to kind of begin this message, to kind of begin what God wants to say, I think we have to start here as we look at point one in your notes, and it has this. We have to be open to a divine interruption. We have to be open as followers of Christ that God is going to possibly, hopefully, interrupt our lives and our schedule because something needs to be done. 
Something that needs to be done that is going to make an impact on the world that we find ourselves in. So let's look at Exodus 2, verse 5 and 2. It says this, Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman walked beside her. She saw the basket among the reeds, and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, here's the thing that I found in my life and in the lives of a lot of times of others, is we kind of get into this routine, and we kind of get moving in this direction, and it's funny because there's times where I believe where God is trying to look at us and say, hey, Aaron, listen, I know that you got this thing to do. I know that you're moving in this direction, but I need you to stop for a second, and I need you to be aware that I have something else for you to do. Remember, Pharaoh's daughter here is not going down to find a baby in a basket. She's going down for a completely different reason. She's going down to bathe. She didn't wake up in the morning and go, okay, well, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm really glad it's a Tuesday afternoon because this is the day that God is going to use me to save this child, which is eventually going to save a nation and be a big, big deal. She doesn't live that way. She's simply outdoing what she wants to be doing. And I want you to focus on this for a second. Okay, now you go, well, well she's bathing. She's, she's doing something. Yes, but she's out of the house. Okay. I want you to notice this. She's not bathing inside the house because they didn't have running things, obviously. She's down someplace different. She's moved out of her home and she's gone out someplace and she has been going there for something else. But God has something else in mind. Listen, I think that's something we want to understand. God, sometimes you go, I'm just going to work today. I'm just going to the store today. I'm just doing this today. Listen, you're going to be experiencing Thanksgiving soon, and you're going to be with family and friends. Oh, I'm just going to Thanksgiving dinner today. You know what? Here's what's amazing. Sometimes God has different plans, and we want to be open to that. See, a lot of times we desire to be used by God. We want to do the little things, but we're not so interested in allowing God to change our schedule to allow those things to happen. Okay? This lady doesn't really know God at all. We're going to see that in a minute. And she gets into a moment and she responds to that moment. In our, in our scripture, it says that she took pity on the child. I want to look at what this means so that we understand. In your notes, it it talks about this, but this is what it says. This is to take pity on. This is what it means to be defined. It says to treat someone or something kindly due to feeling sympathetic or compassionate towards them, especially because of their misfortune or suffering. And then secondly, to feel sorry for someone and try to help them. Okay? Listen, listen, if we're going to be used by God in the way God wants us to use, it's got to be more than just looking at people and going, oh, I'm so sorry. Bye. I come from a family that is more southern than northern, okay? And so I grew up with this phrase, bless their heart. Remember that phrase? Bless their heart. You know, and that was, a, that was a way to say many, many things. But the problem was with bless your heart is there wasn't a reaction to it. I love here that Pharaoh's daughter just doesn't go, oh, look, there's a baby. She responds. She, she, it's more than just a feeling of sorrow for people. It's actually a response and a desire to alleviate that suffering. 
Hey, we're really good because of, of life and because of the internet, because of things. We know a lot of the issues in the world, but we don't always respond to them. Okay? And we go, well, the problem's too big, or, or I'm not good enough, or, or what can I do? Remember, this whole series is understanding that God can take the little things that we do and have a big impact. So don't listen to the lie of the enemy who says, oh, it's not going to matter. Oh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Listen, God has placed that compassion in your heart and that, that, that drive in your heart, not so you can just feel bad, but so that you can respond to it and you can be used by him to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. So because of that, we see something very interesting. We see the Pharaoh's daughter respond to this and begin to do something about it. And so because of that, as I've looked at this, I've, I've, I've categorized what she's done as an act of reckless compassion. Reckless compassion. Not sort of compassion, not easy compassion, but reckless compassion. And so we need to look at this. Why was this act of compassion so reckless? In your notes, I've listed four things that I want to focus in on because I think it's important that we understand what she did and how she did it and why she did it and really how reckless this really was and to know that that's what God is calling us to do as well. The first thing, it was going against her culture and upbringing to do this, okay? Now, let's jump back to Exodus 1, okay? In Exodus 2, we see the story of what happened in ex- uh, to get Moses saved. In, in Exodus 1, we see why that was necessary. So in Exodus 1, starting with verse number 6, it says this. It says, in time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't... And war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from our country. Listen, this young lady was raised in this culture. She was raised that basically says, hey, these people are not good. Hey, these people aren't right. There's something wrong with them. We need to be afraid of them. They're going to take us and they're going to join our enemies and destroy us. We have to oppress them. This is how she was raised. This is what she understood to be her worldview. Listen, sometimes we have to understand that our upbringing may be not as good as we thought it was. Sometimes we need to understand that, that, that maybe, maybe those things aren't right. Sometimes we're going to have to, to respond to compassion the way God wants us to. We're going to have to be willing to go against the culture. To go against the world that we live in. And we need to be able to do that and so that God can use us to make an impact on what he wants us to make an impact on. Number two, it was towards an enemy. It was towards an enemy. Look at Exodus 1, 9 through 10. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us that are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. What's interesting about this 
As you think about the culture and the time, and, and we have to kind of be able to understand and kind of put ourselves in that world. Basically, this is like us going to the enemy and basically, hey, hey, and helping them. This is, this is treacherous. This is treasonous. This is more than just, oh, look, a baby. This was helping the enemy. This was going against, well, we'll talk about that in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. But this was going against the enemy. And we have to understand that's not easy. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44 and 45. It says this, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You go, but Aaron, I, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not I, re- I don't really have enemies. I don't really have these things. Well, listen, you know what I found, unfortunately, in our world today? The people that don't necessarily believe the way we do, whether it be in many different arenas, sometimes they can look at those and they're the enemy. They're the bad guys. Human nature is very much, we got to have a a good guy and a bad guy, okay? My dad loves to watch westerns. Loves it. And normally he watches them with the sound off because he memorized the entire movie. He does not need to hear John Wayne talk because he knows what John Wayne says. And what's interesting is when I I started watching some of these with him. And you know what's interesting? There's always a guy in a black hat and a guy in a white hat. Why? Because we as humans identify good guy, bad guy. To this woman, that little baby was the enemy. That little baby was a black hat. And she didn't care. She didn't care. She responded. She acted the way that we should respond towards our enemies. Number three, it was disobeying the orders of her father. Now look at Exodus one twenty-two. This is what it says. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now let's stop and let's remember something, okay? In, in, in Egypt's uh, understanding of religion and understanding that Pharaoh was, was divine, okay? Pharaoh was more than just a guy. He was nearly divine. In some areas of Egypt's history, he was believed to be divine. So this girl is not only disobeying her dad, the Pharaoh, in some ways she is disobeying her God. To do this. Listen, this young woman was amazing. You go, Aaron, how can God use me? Listen, hopefully you know Jesus. She doesn't. And look how God is going to use her. But she is being disobeyed to the orders of her father more than just simply her dad, which is a big deal. But the Pharaoh was her father. And this is a big one we need to remember. It fought against the notion that one doesn't matter. It's just one. Is it really that important? It's just one. It's just one. Does it really matter? I remember a story I heard about um, a young boy. And I think I've shared this before, but it's just, it's too important. I, I just feel like I need to share it again. And if I haven't, great. But, but there's a story of a young boy and, and, and he's, he's out on the beach and there's a, a, a guy and he's also a man is out there and they're, they're walking on the beach. And 
I don't know exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't personally like the beach all that much. But basically something happened where the, the tide came in or something and, and there was a bunch of starfish that were left on the beach. And of course they could not get back into the water and, and eventually it, it, they would die. And so this, this young man is, is walking on the beach and he's looking out and he sees a young little boy and the young little boy. And there's, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of these starfish. And the little boy is reaching down he's picking up a starfish and he's tossing it into the ocean. And then he walks a little farther and picks another one and throws it into the ocean. And he grabs another one and throws it into the ocean. And, and, and the older man, you know, is going, what, what is this kid doing? There's, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of these starfish. And so he, he walks up to the little boy and goes, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm throwing starfish. You know, they, they, they won't live. And, you know, if they're not in the water, they won't live. And he said, well, what are you doing? He said, do you really think that you're going to be able to save all of these starfish? And the little boy reached down, grabbed a starfish, threw it into the water. He looked at the man. He said, well, save that one. Sometimes the enormity of what God asks us to do can seem so huge. Or we look at our world, or we look at our culture, or we look at our family, we look at our workplace or our school. God, it's too big. There's too much that needs to be done. It's just one more. And we, we allow that to paralyze us. We allow that to keep us from doing the things that God wants us to do. Listen, maybe God hasn't asked you to save every starfish, but he's asked you to save one. Don't let the enormity of the situation keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Maybe it's just one. But that one matters to your father. That one matters to God. And she thought that. She could have said, you know what? I mean, think about this for a second. I don't want to be gross and I don't want to be, be just... But, but think about how many children's bodies are in the Nile River, folks. Do you believe truly that she didn't see any of those? But, but she made an exception here. She could have said no. She could have looked at any of these four things and let those be the reasons why when that baby came, she could have let it go. She could have done something to it, but she didn't. She responded with reckless compassion. She didn't just look at it. She just didn't see, oh, what a terrible problem. Let's go have lunch. No, she looked at it and she allowed that to propel her to do something for God. She doesn't have the, the things that we have now as Christians to make that impact, but she didn't let it stop her. She responded and did an amazing thing. So now, Let's look at the results of this act of reckless compassion. Now, some of us know these, but let's just kind of go. And I, I thought the easiest thing to do was be to look into Acts. In Acts chapter 7, we see a little bit of what happened. Because obviously, this little boy grows up. This little boy responds to the call of God. This little boy is at a, grows up to be a man who's at a burning bush, who has an experience with God and goes and leads his people. This is the man who, who knows God like face to face. He, he experiences God and yes, he's not perfect. And yeah, he's got issues, but he writes the first five books of the Bible. He has an amazing impact. We are still feeling the impact of Pharaoh's daughter's action. 
Because God used it. But let's look. Let's kind of bring it together and let's see what it says. In Acts chapter 7, verse 34, it says this. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and I have come down to set them free. Now come, I'm sending you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me. From your own people. We talked about this last week. When this little boy did this little act of giving his lunch. And people began to see, hey, is this the prophet? Is Jesus the man that Moses talked about? Even then, listen, even then, Moses is pointing us and Israel and the world to Jesus. Even then, he's pointing them to Jesus. Look at Hebrews 3, 1 through 5. As the, as the worship team wants to come on up, okay? We're going we're gonna to close kind of with this. It says this, Hebrews 3, 1 through 5. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declared to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him. Just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And this is, this is verse 5. This is what I wanted to focus in on here. It says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truth God would reveal later. Listen, one of the greatest things that Moses did was not lead his people out of Egypt. It was not recording the Ten Commandments. It was not the miracles that God did through him. The biggest thing that Moses did was he was an illustration and pointed people to Jesus. You go, Aaron, Pharaoh's daughter, yeah, okay, whatever. He pointed people to Jesus. He was an illustration of the truths. He told people way, way back, hey, there's somebody coming. It's going to change everything. There's somebody coming. That's going to do amazing things. I'm, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to give you a little secret, okay? This whole series, last week, this week, and the following week, listen, it's all going to end with Jesus. It is all going to end with the fact that a lot of times these little things that God does, when it comes to fruition and it comes to the end, it always points to Jesus. You know what our world really needs? They don't need another message. They don't need another, forgive me for saying this, they don't necessarily need another church. They need the church 
in its entirety to rise up and start pointing people to Jesus. And you go, but Aaron, the job's so big. I mean, listen, listen, I, I, I'm, I know this probably more than most of you. I study the facts. I like stats. I mean, I, I've always liked baseball. I like stats. There are less people that are Christian in this country right now than there has ever been in the history of this country. And it is not getting better. Churches are plateauing and dying. Listen, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. And a lot of times we look at it, and I know I do too, guys. We look at it and we go, but it's so big. But it's so big. It, it, they're, 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 you know what's happening in our world. But they're, they're not open. They're not interested. They're not, nobody, hey. Pharaoh's daughter could have looked at the little baby and said, you know what? That's the enemy. That's one of the, and she even says it, that's one of the Hebrew children. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. They're not, they're not gonna change. They're, they're the enemy. I don't have to respond to that. I don't have to respond. Listen, my feelings of I'm sorry are good enough. Look, I truly believe that one of the reasons God placed this on my heart back in October to share it was because we were getting ready to get into this season. Okay? We were getting ready to get into the Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And this is a time where sometimes these little acts can have a huge impact. People are more open to it during this time. And it's an awesome opportunity. And Pharaoh's daughter, she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know that this was going to be Moses. She didn't have the ability to look forward like we do or look back like we do and be able to see, man, this is awesome. Man, this is big. But she did it anyway. We have something she doesn't have. We have the belief and the trust that God is going to use what we do to make an impact in our world. We should be doing it more than Moses or Pharaoh's daughter ever did because we have a hope that says God can use it. If I just give my lunch, if I'm just willing to share, not just I'm sorry, sir, about your situation, but enter into it and begin to make a difference there. Not to listen to the lies of the enemy that says, well, Aaron, it's just too big. What can you do? In our story about the starfish, it's interesting that it's not, and please hear my heart on this, it's not the man who's throwing the starfish. We talked a little bit about this last week. It's the little boy. Jesus has called all of us as his followers to become like children. Not childish, but childlike. And you know what a child's likeness does? A child likeness reaches down, even though there's thousands around, and says, you know what? I can't save them all, but I can save that one. 
you imagine a church? Stop. The church. Okay? Where there were people that said, you know what? God hasn't necessarily called me to save thousands, but God's called me to make a difference in one. And I'm going to get my one. And when I get my one, maybe God will call me to get two. And then I'll get my two. But I'm not going to let my culture, I'm not going to let my upbringing, I'm not going to let the factor of the fear that it's not good enough or it's not big enough keep me from accomplishing the little thing that God's asked me to do. Because I love it. God takes the little things that we do and he turns them into life-changing, world-changing situations. Pharaoh's daughter. If God can use her, God can use me. God can use you. So let's let's pray. Let's 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 commit ourselves. Because again, this whole series is about the little things. And one of the biggest things that God can ever do in us and through us is point people to Jesus. And so, Father, right now, I pray. God, Pharaoh's daughter, I mean, in some ways, she was a very, very unlikely person to use. But she was open to that interruption. She was there to bathe, not save a child. But she took that moment that little act and she saved one and that little boy grew up and he led his people to freedom he led his people to understand in a way that we today are still enjoying an understanding of our God and our Father in heaven God made a way where there seemed to be no way because a little person did a little act and in God's hands, those little acts can change the world. And so God, in a weird prayer, in a prayer that quite honestly, I never thought I'd pray, God, help us to be like Pharaoh's daughter. Help us to get sometimes out of our house and the church house. Get out and be open for moments where the Holy Spirit speaks and we respond sometimes with little things. Hey, listen, God, if you want to use us in big things, hey, we're, we're game for that. Absolutely. But Scripture teaches us that if we'll be faithful in the small things first, then God will give us the big things to do. A lot of times, Father, forgive us for only wanting to do the big things. And we don't understand, God, why you won't let us do the big things. It's because we haven't been faithful in the small things, the little acts that you've called us to do that can make a huge impact. So, Father, I pray that, God, even right now, you would begin to place in our hearts, in our minds, those those people that we can bless, those people that we can take care of, those people that, that, that desperately need to be pointed to Jesus. Those little things those little moments that if we'll be open to those divine interruptions, I believe with all my heart, Father, you will use us 
to change people's worlds, to change everything. Because God, you're a big God. You're a big God. And you can take the little things and change it all. So Father, I pray that you would help us. Father, I pray that you would challenge us and that Father, we would respond to the challenge that you are giving us to make that difference and to be the change that we desperately want you to do in this world. Help us. We love you and we thank you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus. Divinely beautiful came into my world. You are the lifter of my head, and now my heart will follow. Divinely beautiful, you came into my world. You are the lifter of my head, and now my heart will follow. Divinely beautiful, you came in. understand me okay this is about pointing people to Jesus okay it's about pointing people to him so that they can see the love that we have for one another and each other and this world and go yeah I can't deny that those little things those little things that God's going to use to do massive things. And we can do this. And you can do this. And I believe in us. And I believe in you. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. Because God takes the little things and does awesome things. So Father, use us this week. Use us to accomplish your will. You've called all of us as your disciples to point people to Jesus, to introduce people to Jesus. And sometimes we can do it with these little things 
and you can take them and make a big impact. So Father, use us in that way. We love you and we thank you. You're so good. You're so faithful. You're so true. You're so awesome. And we love you. And we're excited about what you're going to do in us and through us. You're good. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Listen, don't run away. We got cut.